to uh, this, our Christmas special episode of the St. Barnabas Bible Podcast. Uh, as usual, I have uh, Zach here with me. Hello. Good to be here again. Uh, and today we have something a little bit uh, special. Yeah, it is. It is rather special. I'm rather looking forward to it. We're going to do today is a, um, a Christmas carols tier list. A tier list. Yes. What is a tier list? Well, for you more elderly among you who don't know what the cool kids are doing these days and I'm sure maybe the cool kids aren't doing these anymore because <laughs> you know we're a little behind the times here but a tier list is essentially it's a um, it's basically grading a different Christmas carol, carols on the uh, what they are so they, so the way we were going to do the tier list is as I've noticed from the cool kids, S is the highest tier, and then it goes down uh, A through F, F being the lowest tier. And what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, some 23 um, carols which will rank uh, on this tier list. And our purpose here is not to be um, Scrooges here. We're going to try to be fair. Uh, but we also don't want to just simply say that all of these Christmas carols have sound, good teaching within them. Uh, we want to be fair. We want to try to look at these critically, but um, charitably, and uh, so that we can enjoy Christmas a little more and understand a little more of its meaning. These carols uh, are helpful in that respect. So I think looking at them is uh, a worthy endeavor. And we're mainly looking at the theology in them, uh, though you know none of us are hermetically sealed. So we, uh, you know, we may comment on a tune here or there uh, in passing. But our main focus is the theology that's in them. Yeah, it's it's a good point. And like I said, it's inevitable. Like you said we're not um, hermetically sealed, as you say. Um, great, great word there. Uh, I think that um, I think that inevitably, perhaps the tune will affect the uh, the grading, but it won't be an intentional thing. We're going to try to try to avoid that unless there's a grossly incongruent tune. I don't think any of that. Uh, no, I don't Carol's think so. Fall into that. No. Uh, so it's yeah, it's essentially the lyrics, uh, and we're and we're judging them now. The way I judge them, um, I think uh, I think you, David, would probably agree with this. But the way I I judge them, uh, my criteria essentially is that you look at the early Christian poems that appear in the New Testament. I'm thinking of the well, it's like the magnificent because actually pre-Christian, pre-birth of Christ, but it's connected with Christmas, obviously. Mary's poem there. You also have um, the Nuptimitis from, from Simeon. You also have Zechariah's poem uh, when speaking of Christ and his own son, John the Baptist. So these are the... Um, the sort of prototypes or the examples we have from scripture on what the true meaning of Christmas is. I mean, I think a lot of people want to find the true meaning of Christmas and it's there, it's embedded within the theology. So if, I, if a carol in my mind um, follows the Christmas story pretty closely, but doesn't dig into that sort of deep interpretation of that, which we find in those hymns, it'll be a good carol. It's good. It's following the story. That's good. Maybe a C or C B or list. B, yeah. 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 But by the way, C does not mean bad here. It means about average. Average, about, yeah. yeah. Nothing so. objectionable, but it could could uh, not you know, quite we deep might have and some powerful. Quibbles and yeah, some little bits here and there. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so if, if a hymn is in the C list, it's not like it's or a carol's in the C list. It's not like it's bad, but it just doesn't reach that sort of deep level that a B, A, or we also have an S tier here for reserved for the elite Christmas yeah. carols. So that's going to be kind of the criteria that I will use and. Um, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see what, what, where our favorite Christmas carols end up on our soon-to-be world-famous tier list. Of course. And now, before we get started, Zach, uh, let's just establish some criteria. Some uh, some criteria for ourselves. Are we Christmas curmudgeons? 
Are we just looking for things to tear down that people love? As much as I um, I love Scrooge as a character, especially as he as he's portrayed in a Mickey's Christmas Carol, um, I <laughs> I do not think it's good or right to be negative. Um, I think sometimes people uh, confuse discernment with just an overall glee and relishing of negativity. And I think that we need to be discerning in how we evaluate these carols. But on the other hand, not to be carmudgeons, not to be um, scrooges, essentially just because we see other people having fun or having a good time that we're going to be above that sort of thing. So I think that's actually a real temptation. And there are two ways to lack discernment. Uh, one is just to accept everything. One is just to reject everything. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those are very discerning. So I think our goal will be to be discerning and have a clear criteria as to how, uh, have clear criteria as to how these um, carols ought to be evaluated and enjoyed during this time. And I say enjoyed uh, quite uh, deliberately it is a time of enjoyment and and one of one of our aims with this uh this episode of the, the podcast is to help us really enjoy the, the the true beauty of of what we celebrate at christmas um to enrich our experience of christmas rather than to make it glum for everyone absolutely and i think i think one of the things we always have to be cognizant of is that the portrait of Christmas we get in the scriptures is so beautiful and so comprehensive. Now, it includes things that aren't so beautiful and aren't so um, uh, nice and make us feel good, but we need to hear those parts of it too, because those play important roles within the Christmas story. Uh, So the comprehensiveness is important, and also its connection to its own sort of context, historical context, uh, is really helpful because Christmas doesn't come uh, sort of just out of the blue. It comes within a particular context, and that context is important. And some of these, uh, some of the better ones get that context quite right. And like I said, the early Christian um, poems about Christmas, as we see in the case of the Magnificat or or, um, Simeon or Zechariah, really teach us a lot about that context. So I think that is important. And I think this will only enrich our understanding of what Christmas Christmas is without without basically rejecting a lot of the narrations of the Christmas stories we see. Uh, we see there's more to the story than that. So that's that's an important point to make, I think. Okay. Well, keep listening then to see, uh, to see where we rank your favorite Christmas carol. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to show you why we've ranked them Uh, in a particular place uh, so that we're not just uh, casting things down but um, if you disagree with us well that's part of the fun (laughs) Um, let's get started and we're going to get started at the very bottom yes Uh, Zach what is in our F Tier. Well, we we kind of we have agreed on the F tier, and there are two hymns. And by the way, there are twenty three total carols that we'll be looking at, and we've decided that two of these, which are both rather popular, unfortunately, uh, have made it to our F tier. Um, one of them is uh, the children's favorite, "Away in a Manger." It made the F tier not simply because it's sentimental, not simply because it doesn't really highlight any of the important aspects of Christmas, but also because it portrays a version of Christ which is, um, quite frankly, it's not, it's not correct. I would even say that 
if you push this, it goes into heresy. Yes. So the, the main issue being there that the Jesus that's portrayed here is not really a human Jesus. No, and that, and and that's that's um, that's clearly stated in the second um, ver- second verse of this, where it says. Uh, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, now people know that babies cry. In Christ, part of his humanity was to assume human nature in its totality without sin, of course. Uh, so to say that Jesus is not crying is to say that or is to imply that... Yeah, firstly, I mean, we just know that that's probably not true. No. But it's, it's, it's more of a problem than that, isn't it? It's not yes. just a sort of embellishment of a, a, of a story in a way that's probably not true. The song presents the fact that he doesn't cry as one of the signs of his holiness. Yes. Um, he is holy because he's not crying. Right. And I think in the next verse of it, it um, the implications of that sort of view of Jesus are writ large I mean the last part is bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there this notion that Christ is not exactly human he belongs in heaven he does not really belong on earth and that's where he's taking us and that's kind of our final destination and this is just not the gospel I mean the gospel is the union of heaven and earth as as we have spoken on this uh, podcast it's the union of heaven and earth and Jesus' full humanity and the fact that he came all the way to earth is extremely important for the veracity of the gospel itself and for the power of the gospel itself we cannot be redeemed by someone who is not human and so these have implications, um, not to say that the person who wrote this was essentially a Gnostic or a Docetic, uh, but there are these tendencies within this hymn, and therefore it, it lands squarely on the F, F tier here. And not to mention the fact that there's just no, uh, there's nothing redeeming about it either. Yeah, Jesus is a bit of a cute guardian angel there in the third verse, isn't he? Yep, yep. He looks down on us, just, you know. Yep, and it's... Um, there's nothing really about the Christmas story. I mean, of course, you have the idea that he's in a manger, but its insignificance or its implications, none of that is there. Uh, you have no, not, let alone the sort of theological implications. But that's not the main, my main issue. And the reason why it lands so low on our tier list is because of this, this frankly false portrait uh, that it's portraying that part of Christ's holiness is the fact that he acts in distinctly non-human ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that has implications for the eschatology of it, too. And for our own salvation of, Absolutely. you know, what is the aim of the Christian life? And according to this this hymn, really, the, the aim of the Christian life is to escape being a human. Yes, and um, to go, go to heaven and Christ is fitting us. I wouldn't be surprised to, to find in this sort of uh, a carol that humans become angels or something like that. That's the kind of impression you get. Yeah, yeah. Not that it's said explicitly. Again, we want to be fair, but it's quite... Um, quite low for that so yes it it lands on our f tier so there we go away in a manger yes f f fail fail for away in a manger uh we have another one in our f tier which would be um it came upon a midnight clear Hmm. came upon a midnight clear now i initially i'm surprised that i put this quite so low on our tier list Hmm. because for a long time i've thought yeah it's quite a nice tune it talks about angels singing in the sky. That's probably, you know, fairly standard and average. But uh, reading these words, I've noticed that it doesn't mention Jesus at all. Hmm. Anywhere. And there are obviously carols that don't mention Jesus, but they're usually focusing in on a very particular part of the Bible story. And we'll see one of those later, much right, higher up right. this list. So yeah. that by itself doesn't 
um, send it right down the bottom. But but it's clear that it is trying to be a retelling of the Christmas story, but without reference to Jesus. Um, a little bit of background about this hymn. It was written by a Unitarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unitarians uh, generally at the time, I know, I don't know much about what Unitarians believe these days, but at the time, certainly, uh, Jesus being divine was not high up on their lists of things that they wanted to believe. In fact, I mean, it's it's they, in their name, it explicitly denies that. They are not Trinitarian. Of course, They're yeah, Unitarian, yeah. so which means that Jesus obviously is not divine. And I, I think you get sort of a, a portrait. It's, it's, it's a very sort of sentimental retelling of uh, what... Um, of the of the story it does speak about angels singing it does talk about it does have basically uh it's trying to teach about the story of christmas but uh really it it seems like a lot of poetic and sentimental nonsense to be honest yeah i i think that's what you find in a lot of uh human made religions is this sense that the human life is the aim of it is to slowly and toilsomely climb your way up a sort of chain of being and in this in this picture the angel's song uh, in this in this carol sorry uh, in verse three there the angel song is there to sort of help you comfort you along that that toil up as you ascend the hill of being um, which is just not a christian way of no it's it's actually a quite of a pagan philosophical notion not pagan in its religious sense or pagan in its philosophical sense uh, ancient pagan philosophy so yeah, that's that's not good at all. Yeah, and any Christmas hymn that is telling the Christmas story but neglects Christ is um is not going to be too high on the list. No. So yes, that one that one came out as an F. Um, but we're going to get more positive, guys. I do promise you that. Uh, these are our only two Fs of the twenty three, and we have one in our next tier, which is our E, another beloved one, um, one that's interestingly historical tidbit uh, written by an atheist, um, an atheist who was commissioned by a priest. A famous poet in France uh, who was commissioned by a priest in 19th century France to write this hymn. Uh, it is called O Holy Night. Uh, I think you're going to break a lot of hearts with putting this one so down low on the list. Uh. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, though. I mean, like, I, I don't repent of it because I mean, no, I'm like, with you. If you if you if you read the lyrics um, again, it's a wonderful tune. It is a really nice tune. I do. It's a very, it's quite powerful. Tune. Yeah, I mean, I that's that's what I've got written down on my prose list of this song. It is a powerful tune. Yes. When played well. Yes. It, it requires someone who has real singing uh, skill to, to play it, does. To sing it well. <laughs> it really does. Uh, yeah. So, but when it is, it is quite powerful and moving. Um, but when you have lyrics like, um, uh, long lay the world in sin and error pining fine enough but then he says till he appeared and the soul felt its worth I mean what's what's going on there what does that mean I'm not sure what that means it sounds like sort of uh, it it makes me feel like the big problem with humanity is that our souls essentially just needed a bit of a pat on the back right or a recognition of their worth yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's it's the sort of it's the Christmas version of a you go girl yes in carol form (laughs) yes yes and it's uh and look, there, there's some, the reason why it's not an F, I mean, the fact that it was written by an atheist and um, has these sort of uh, just plain wrong from a Christian perspective ideas in it, 
but it's not in the F tier because it does have some decent retelling of the story. Uh, so it talks about the three wise men in the second. It talks about l- uh, the light of faith leading them. Uh, there's some sentimental language about glowing hearts by his, can- by Sweet, his cradle. Sweetly gleaming things. Yeah, but it yeah. talks about the wise men from the Orient, the king of kings. Okay, this is this is good stuff, generally. So... Yeah. Um, it's uh, and the fact that it, to our weakness he is no stranger. That's a really good theological point. But it cannot get over uh, this sort of uh, overarching theme that you see in this about kind of humanity's ascent and humanity's need just to recognize how kind of how valuable, how valuable they, are. they are in themselves. Now, of course, humans are valuable, but that that's not it's not how it's portrayed. They're valuable as creation of God in God's image in relation to God mm-hmm. uh, and not simply um, as people who are separated uh, from God and have no connection to him. So that that is that is important, I think, for us to, to understand when we think about these hymns. Again, this is a hard one because it is beloved and you understand why listening to it and it could be quite moving. But uh, as in terms of its... Um, in terms of its the substance of its theology, let's just say that it, it, it reads like it is. That someone who maybe grew up in a Christian environment, uh, who try, who's, who's unironically trying to understand what Christians believe, but is far away from the faith, avowed atheist, uh, writing this uh, from what they believe to be a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. And, that's, mm-hmm. and that's why it, it, it does belong, I think, in my opinion, low on the tier list. Again, not the F, but in our yeah. E. Not so a good time for me to pick up something that is uh, that bothers me in a lot of these lower tier carols is the sort of slightly saccharine use of language that yes. things are sweet or yes. serene things pine things are mild um, you know led by the light of faith serenely beaming I mean faith is not really that serene no I, I think you know what it is David I, I think what it is is that these carols if you move them away from the Christian faith, what they are actually describing is not the Christian story or the Christmas story, but how we've experienced that story growing up. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, like, it, it, Christmas is, when you're growing up in Christian cultures, Christmas is a wonderful time. And rightly so. Oh, yes, absolutely. Rightly so. And um, it's a very, it's, it, it, it's the time of year you think about what as a kid, when you're getting gifts and you have all these wonderful warm memories connected mm-hmm. to Christmas and those are great by the way we're not here to say those are Absolutely bad not. Uh, in fact I would say make them flourish in your home you absolutely know. but the way you make them flourish is not by removing the centrality of Christ's birth and his story because that is not very nice and there are, put it this way, there are aspects of the story of Christmas which are brutal and and um in order for Christmas to be good news for us, they had to be that way. Uh, and, I, and I think it's important that we remove ourselves from the silent, serene, sort of saccharine use of language that we see in this. Uh, it's fine to feel that way about Christmas, but to feel that way because the first Christmas was not like that. <laughs> and crucially, I mean, this is something that goes for most of most of human life. You don't get those feelings by focusing on whether you're feeling those feelings. Absolutely. You yeah. get them only by focusing on the thing that is outside of yourself. And in this case, at, at Christmas, that is 
the story of Christ and his birth. Right. And when there are those feelings for, for children, it's because someone is, is, is working hard to make sure these, the, these children are getting what they need and are taken care of and all that. So it's because of the suffering of others that those feelings are even there in the first place. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen on its own. And so when you remove the core, the reason why we have these great feelings from, from the story, the reason why it's, it can get quite emotional and, sen- and sentimental for young, for young people and for all of us, and when we remove the actual reason from that, it um, sooner or later you're gonna, the, the, the core is going to fall with yeah. it. You, you can't the, just go the, along on fumes. The you know? sort of glowing embers will last for a little while. Yes. But- Yes, they'll be gone before long. And sadly, we've seen it. We've mm-hmm. seen it. Christmas turning into a commercial disaster where people just hate it because they have to get, see these people that they don't really like anyway, and they have to get them gifts, and they don't know what they want. It's going to be a. I mean, it just turns into an absolute um, time of. Uh, you don't think back with fond memories, but quite the opposite, bitter memories and and bitterness in us mm-hmm. are things that are cultivated often during the holiday season. So I think that's important for us to remember. Um, that Christmas is not the way we feel when we're growing up. Those are good feelings, and we need to cultivate that in our children and even for ourselves. But um, that's based on something much greater and bigger than ourselves. Something much more concrete than our, yes. our, our feelings in the moment. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right, what's next on our, on our tier list? We're moving now into D. D tier. Again, like we said, we're not Grinches. We're not Scrooges. Um, we, we only have four in the bottom three tiers total. Four total in the bottom three tiers. So we had two in F, one in E, and we have one in D. Uh, and the one in D is in the bleak midwinter. In the bleak midwinter. Now, yeah. I hear a lot of criticism, uh, criticism of, uh, of this carol because people say, oh, well, it probably wasn't particularly cold at the time or maybe it wasn't winter time or that kind of thing. What do you, rec- what do you think of those kind of criticisms? Well, I mean, I think, um, first of all, my personal view is not that. Uh, I do think that the time that Christmas is celebrated is more or less the time when Jesus was born. That's my opinion. I'm not going to die on that hill, uh, but I'm not really convinced by the arguments that it's otherwise. So I don't think that is an issue for me. Um, the fact that it's in the bleak uh, midwinter. Um, that, that's not the issue for me. What it, is the issue? Well, the issue for me in, uh, well, when you're reading the lyrics to this and you read things like, but only his mother in her maiden bliss worshiped the beloved with a kiss. Uh, and then you have, what can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. It's just, it, there's a sort of, again, not in the E or F tier, but a sort of sentimental kind of um, repicturing of ourselves within the story. And um, kind of not really getting to the heart of it. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's asking, what can I offer him? You know, I mean, like, Little Drummer Boy is not on this one, but it's kind of another one that's very much like this, where it's focusing on like, what, I, what am I contributing to this? But that, that's not the point of the Christmas story. The Christmas, point of the Christmas story is we don't contribute to it. Yeah. And like, it's not like, it's not about finding ourselves in this story. It's about finding the savior in this story. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of it. So, I mean, certainly in our, in our later uh, entries on this list towards the high end, we're going to have some carols that have a clear declaration personal declaration of fealty to the, to yes, the king that, that's, that's, so, yeah, so how, yeah. how is this different well I think it's because um, it's asking what we could 
do, that we have a part in this. Like, like swearing fealty to someone is one thing. Saying that I believe in this person is one thing and I'm with this person and I'm loyal to this person. But the way this is presented, especially in verse 5, it's like my part is to give my heart. That's my part in this. And then God's, God's part is quite, is, is uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. That, that's how I see it. Um, and really giving your heart is an excellent first step, but... That's the not point. It. That's not it. Everything belongs to this king. Yes, yes. And it's not the sense. It's almost like, oh, look at this poor person here. He's with his mother and there's all the, like, in her maiden bliss and there's all this child here. What can I give to this person? Kind of like, it's almost like we're above and kind of I see what you mean. It's yeah. a sort of condescension to, uh, yes. to helping out this poor baby in a, in yes. a danger. Oh, yes. isn't it? Isn't it poor? And we know that we should probably love him. So um, let's bring our hearts. Yes. And um, it's it's not terrible. Oh, I, I don't. I, and again, it's not in our E or F tier. And like we said, D is not. The way we're doing this is C is about is average. About average. And you can have like they're not. There's nothing really too objectionable in the C. And so our, I think my criticism of this one is not nearly as much as it would be in the E or E or F. It's it, it, it's much more nuanced and not quite the same. So I don't want to be too critical of the hymn or of the carol, but. Um, I do get the sense that this is about kind of my offering this condescension to him because he is this sort of, you know, um, like I said, like you said, there's nothing wrong with giving our heart to Christ. That is that is what we're called to do. But this sense that this is this is kind of the, the king of kings and lord of lords here. And it's not about what I can find to give him. It's about let me scrape something up. That yeah. I can give to him. Oh, well, I don't really have anything I'll give my. Yeah, <laughs> I give my heart. Uh, what do they mean by that? Probably just affection. I think probably not much more. Yeah, than yeah, that. yeah. So our main criticism of this one then is that it's a little bit sort of sappy and yeah, and and it's on that sentimental end of things, not necessarily focusing on the um, objective reality of the, the 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 glory of Christ and His coming, the, the right, the, the excellency of Him coming, uh, and much more about sympathy with a baby in a in a exactly that, that's the impression uh, yeah that's the impression it gives and I, like i said it's, it's not a huge criticism it's not like we're putting this way down there but i think it's i think it's a valid it's enough to drop it to a d yes from a c okay for okay for our c tier um we're gonna have a bit a few little oh, disagreements this is where here. start to, yeah, start to disagree yeah. on stuff so for our, our, our bottom three, we were pretty much um, in agreement. We have some slight, and our, our disagreements yeah, will be let, Let's start with the three that we both agree okay, are in the C tier. Four. Is it four? Four, four that we both yeah. agree are in the C tier. Yeah, that's right. Four. It's four. Okay, so um, C tier, once again, is uh, nothing too objectionable. Uh, pretty much average telling of the Christian story, um, but not too deep. Not too powerful yeah. uh, either. Not not really getting uh, it all. So one, of course, is a very a famous one um, with a lot of historical pedigree, which is Silent Night. Um, now, again, we don't want to be too critical. Uh, I don't think it's a bad one. Uh, I think it does talk about Christ being the uh, the son of a virgin. Uh, yes, the virgin mother and child. Um, once again, the holy injured so tender and mild, though. It's almost getting yes, to it's this the word point. mild. Yes. 
Yeah. And like, I don't want to be too critical because I don't know. I think it was written in German first, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so I, I don't want to, it is a translation. So I, I don't want to be too critical. And in the next verse, it does talk about the, the shepherds quaking at the sight. Um, Glory streaming from heaven afar. Yes. Yeah. And of course, it's talking about them quaking over the angel's appearance, but that, that angel's appearance is due to the Christ being born. So I don't want to be too critical on that. Um, Son of God loves pure light. Okay. It, 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 does, it could lend itself to a sort of philosophical interpretation that would be inimical to the Christian faith, but it's not necessary. It does speak about redeeming grace, which is good. Um, and Christ the Savior, it speaks about him being the Savior mm-hmm. being born and to the fact that he is our king, too, right before that. Um, and so radiant beings from thy holy face. So there, there is a sense that he's not quite normal human, you know? Yeah. No, he isn't. Obviously, Christ is more than human. He's divine yeah. and human. Yeah. So, But this notion of that, that implies a kind of non-human behavior on his uh-huh. part. Sleeping in heavenly peace. Yes. As in heavenly things sleep peacefully. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the picture of heaven in the Bible is a pretty busy place, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and and um, It's filled with very loud cries of yes. of praise and, uh, and all sorts of back and forth. Yes. And the fact that he's sleeping, and this is a sort of, again, what infant sleeps in heavenly peace? I mean... It does happen. It does. And it's nice when it happens. You know, we don't want to yeah. be like, oh, all babies are, you know... Terrible, so Jesus must no, have slept no, 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 terribly. No, 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 no. I'm not saying they're um, terrible. I'm saying part of their quality is is that they often do not sleep. I've heard it once that say that like the phrase "sleeping like a baby" is crazy. It's because you don't want to be sleeping like a baby. Now, it doesn't mean they're they're like these. They're hor- it's just it's just a fact about what it what it means. And I think the fact that Christ Himself, as a as a as a sort of rather clear and pure implication of his humanity would have acted in human ways. Now, I, again, again, this is not a huge criticism. This is C, and C for us is not negative. And so, so, so and, and there are real positive aspects to this song, I think. I think the, I think the, uh, the, the emphasis on Christ being Savior and King is really quite good. And um, Lord at thy birth, you know, it's a great, it's a great line. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are aspects to it that give this sort of picture of it. It's not in the away in the manger sort of, that that's the only thing emphasized, but it does have those sorts of tendencies. So mm-hmm. I think that's 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 uh, why it's in C. Yes, uh, and no higher, no uh, higher yes, or, or, or lower, yeah. or lower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 ending the song with "Christ the Savior is born." Christ the Savior is born is always a good, uh, it's good. way yes. to end a song in my in my uh, uh, Christmas carol. In absolutely, in my mind, Abs- absolutely, yes. And um, the next one uh, that I think we both agreed on was C. Good Christian men rejoice. Good Christian men rejoice. Yeah. Um, again, nothing too negative to say about this one. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I like about this song is that it commends and exhorts good, wholehearted rejoicing. Yeah. And even even merriness for the yes. right reasons, uh, and it gives a good, substantial reason for that. You know, good Christian men rejoice. Because the good news is here, Jesus Christ is born today. Yes, you know, and that is a, a totally appropriate exhortation. Um, yes, and, and it's also a good in, in the third stanza here. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, powerful teaching that Christ conquered the grave. That's there. Um, but again, it doesn't 
in my in my mind, it just doesn't get to the heart of it in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it just it, there's no focus on um, the sort of um, apart from the word Christ, of course, the, the the idea of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, which is so emphasized in the Christmas story itself. Uh, the reason why Herod wants to kill him, you know, and uh, so it is. Uh, Again, maybe the fact that he conquered the grave, no need to fear the grave, it might be implied in that. So again, not a huge criticism, not a bad one, a pretty standard, you know, in terms of Christian ones, okay, run-of-the-mill kind of okay. Yeah, with some good bits and a little bit of not really having the teeth that we would, we would look <laughs> for that's in a, it, in a, yeah. in a top tier. Yeah. Not a, not a um, not a serious criticism, but kind of that kind of. We want more. We want more out of that. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, "God rest ye merry gentlemen." That is a uh, uh, one thing I like about this one is that it it gets to the sort of Christmas emphasis on Christ defeating Satan. Yeah. Uh, and th- this is the picture you get in Revelation when the story of Christmas is portrayed in um, Revelation twelve. Again, it's more than the story of Christmas, but it's certainly not less. It is a retelling of that story uh, with the dragon right there at the center. I mean, you, you kind of understand who's really behind this. Uh, not Herod, but Herod's a puppet for someone, and it's not the emperor in Rome. It's the it's the it's the Lord of Darkness. Um, and you get this emphasis in the first one uh, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Okay, um, nothing wrong with that. It's emphasizing. Uh, Christ born, being born of a virgin, telling the story in a kind of uh, a way that is not, again, not wrong, but maybe not as detailed and as rich as we could want. There's an important, uh, important comma in that first line. Uh, most people think this is God rest ye, God rest ye, merry gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, as in God give rest to the gentlemen who are merry. Yes, but it's not. It's God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Mm. You know, may God make you merry because, again, as with the last one that we looked at, because of this good news that we're now declaring to you. Wonderful. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful thought. Which, again, uh, is a, is an excellent exhortation for us at Christmas, isn't it? Yes, yes. It is a time um, for... Uh, time for merriment. merriment. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And certainly those tidings of comfort and joy are wonderful and the idea of comfort is right from isaiah 40 talking about the coming of the messiah so that's that's all good good stuff mm-hmm. there again not too much no not not a major criticism but also not necessarily all the richness that we would we could want okay um we also have uh in the next one so we we did uh, silent night uh, good christian men rejoice God rest you, merry gentlemen. And then there's another one on which we agree, which is once in Royal David City. Mm-hmm. I wasn't too familiar with this one uh, beforehand. I'd, I'd heard of it, but my rating of it was simply upon reading, um, reading the lyrics. And once again, not bad. Uh, yeah, we've got. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. I mean, Very that's, that's excellent. Sound theology, uh, redeeming um, love. Once again, this notion of coming to redeem, humility and all that. Yeah, I, I think the reason for me why this is at a C and not higher, um, because this is a classic in, in, many, in many circles, um, are things like in verse 3. Again, we get the point of Jesus is coming and he's going to take all of his children on to the place where he has gone. 
Yes. Uh, it, it leaves out that um, that eschatological hope of resurrection. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a big one. I mean, it's sadly, a bit that's escapey, a common one. And yeah. it's a common one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and look, do you understand why Christmas tunes might fall into that, or Christmas carols might fall into that? Because um, there is this sense when you're going through really hard times, you want to escape and you want to have something mm-hmm. that you remember and that you're nostalgic about, that you have these sentimental feelings toward. And that can lead itself into escapism. But I think like, there's nothing wrong with sentimentality as long as it's rooted in reality. As long as it's a real worthwhile sentiment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's real. That's what we wanted to base it on. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with having strong emotions. In fact, in fact, it's wrong not to when there are realities appropriate uh, that are proportionally uh, proportional to those strong emotions. That, that is our job. And our job of our own brains is to not to shut or close off our emotions, but to regulate them towards reality. To have right emotions, yes. appropriate emotions. Yes. That's right. And Fitting, yeah. So, I mean, one of the issues with Christmas carols is not that they're sentimental. There's nothing wrong with that. And they ought to be sentimental in some ways. Uh, in fact, the word sentimental kind of gets at it. It's, it's almost... Okay, the fact, in its original meaning, the fact that it produces a sort of sentiment in us is, is not sentimental in that sense, necessarily. Um, that, that's not a bad use of that word. That's a positive use. Uh, you want things to be sentimental, which are powerful and which can ought to conjure up appropriate reactions. But... The way that term is used often now is to kind of arbitrarily or even um, cheaply uh, create or um, kind of cultivate these sorts of emo- an emotional response without its substance. Yeah. And, and that some Christian some Christmas carols have that tendency because there is so much sentimentality connected to Christmas anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think what people need to realize is not that that's a bad thing, but that it needs to be connected to a powerful reality. Mm-hmm. Powerful feelings ought to be connected to powerful realities. That's that is the job of our brain and our intellect. It's not to mm-hmm. suppress emotion, but to appropriately sort of connect them with powerful realities. Yeah, we want our affections to be really tuned by reality right so yeah. and yeah. some of these songs are sort of like sort of like christmas vampires they come along and try and feed off the off the 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 the, the, the christmas sentiment and affection whilst draining the life that gave it that in the first place absolutely that's a great point and i think you know a good analogy is christmas movies i mean christmas movies do this all the time where um they know that Christmas is such a sentimental time and a powerful time for so many people. So they kind of play off that. And if it's not done right, there's nothing wrong with Christmas movies per se, but if it's not done correctly, what happens is is that you're trying to connect it. You're, you're basically cutting corners. You know that people are connected with this. You're giving them some sort of sentimental slop or something like that because you know that people are going to approve that sort of thing at this this time of year but our job is to be discerning and to discern and in this case to discern what sort of appropriate emotions reflect the the reality now christmas is a time when there are many different um different kinds of appropriate emotional reactions um and then of course the the uh Advent time is another one. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Christmas time, there are different emotions connected with both of those. Both powerful joy and merriment for the Christmas time, longing and even anger and and sadness at the Advent time. But those emotions need to connect to the story. 
they, they cannot be connected to some sort of escapist, let's go with Jesus to heaven kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that, that's why. Again, there's a lot of good stuff in this hymn. Yeah. A lot of, or in this carol, a lot of good stuff, a lot of powerful retellings of the Christian, uh, the Christian story. But it, it also, um, I think, we need to be uh, be be cognizant of how it can lend itself to a sort of escapist sentimentality. Yeah. And there's that word "mild" again. Oh yeah, a word in my opinion that should be used to describe bad cheese. Bad cheese or hot oh, sauce or something. Oh, yeah, hot sauce or bad hot sauce. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or weather that's sort of not really what anyone's looking for, but yeah, kind of is there. Well, I kind of like mild. You like mild weather? Yeah. Anyway, uh, my my experience of the word mild weather is it's a bit too warm for what we're expecting this time of year. Or yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's supposed to be cold. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we have two two that we kind of disagree on, which I would place in the B tier, and which David has placed in the C tier. Um, no, I'm the Grinch on these ones. Uh, yeah, but I'll be the Grinch a little bit later, so don't worry. Uh, if that's what you were expecting, yeah. you won't be disappointed. But anyway, for this one, um, it is uh, the the first one is "What Child Is This?" Now, I have this as a B. Um, B is a quite good carol, uh, not top tier, not A tier, but B, which is solid, really good. And my my reasoning is that it tells the the um, the Christmas story. And it does have some pretty good um, theology about it. Um, I, I think the quibble that David has with it is one that I would have, but maybe not uh, as much. The, the idea in the second verse about the silent word is pleading. The idea of silent word, I'm not sure what that is trying to convey. I just don't think it makes much sense. No, it's, I'm not sure what it is. But I, I, like, I like what I like about it is that it retells the, the, Christian, um, the Christian story. It talks about Christ being the king, which is an integral aspect of the Christian story. It, 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 um, it doesn't tell us to leave our nice, sweet little gift to him. It tells us to bring him praise. Uh, that's what the chorus is, is talking about. Is. And uh, it does say to bring him incest, gold, and myrrh, but that's just a repetition of what the wise men did. And that's in, that is in, that's tribute. That's not like, oh, let's see what I can give him uh, because this poor little infant's here. He needs, my, he needs my help. No, this is tribute. And this is, this is what, in the context of the story of the three wise men, what they're giving him is tribute as king. Uh, and that's that's why it says in the third verse, so bring him incense, gold, and mercy, come peasant king to own him. Uh, it's a recognition of his being king, uh, king. And then the king of kings, salvations brings, okay, let loving hearts enthrone him. I, I yeah, I mean, this is this is perhaps one of the reasons I, I lowered it a little bit lower to a C. Yeah. Um, and I think other parts, of the, other parts of the song mitigate this issue. Mm-hmm. But there is an issue here. Uh, when we recognize the rule of Christ over our hearts and the rest of our lives we're not enthroning him God has enthroned him uh, we're not putting him on a throne mm. um, and, and it's, a, it's a minor quibble in the context of this song because I think this song does work quite hard to make that very clear that mm. Jesus is king of kings whether or not I enthrone him the king him. of kings salvation king of kings. Brings. Yeah. Yes, yes but I mean that's just a it's a it's a small thing that for me lowered it from a B yeah, to a C yeah I understand I understand I understand that maybe the um, the wording of this isn't quite good uh, but I do think the sentiment is good the, the idea is basically he is king of kings and lord of lords recognize that yeah. that's what I think the sentiment yeah. is but the way it's awkwardly phrased because the, the, the word enthrone doesn't mean to recognize someone as king it means to put them, put them on, on the, the throne, throne. and exactly. that's 
And it's very clear that that's not what they mean in, in mm-hmm. the song, mm-hmm. but I, I can understand. But that is what the word means. Yes. And so there's a confusion there, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but, but other than that, in that silent word thing, which is a bit confusing, uh, I think it's quite good. Yeah. And I think the, the, it's got the king part of it. it got, it's got the, the, the obviously the humility yeah. of it. I think it's quite a good one. And as but, we've said several times, for me, a C is an average. I yeah. mean, that's not... It's not. It's not, not a bad thing. It's not. It's a not. It's not a bad I have it a bit above average. In um, yeah. the other one that we would we would have in the same sort in the same sort of way is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Um, I do think uh, this is a good one. Uh, it does. It does have that silent thing which seems to be coming it up. It does, over and particularly and over again. silent stars. And now the stars, the angels, are what came and sang to the uh, to the shepherds on the hills. They're emphatically not silent, but. Uh, but what I like about this is the the recognition of Christ being Emmanuel, which you get mm-hmm. in the fourth. Uh, you do talk about uh, how he has come to cast our sin away now and be born in us today. Which uh, look, I mean, there is a way when that could, that could be just the only thing the Christmas story is about. And if that's the case, that's bad because the idea of Christ being born in us and not it becomes really... a metaphorical birth, exactly. not a, not a historical event that changes things but, a but, sort but, of the, meta- but in the context of this song it's very clear that there, there, that it's an implication of that uh, and second Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above you know while mortals sleep the angels keep their watch of wondering love so there is a sense of that this is also emphasizing the, the, the sort of historical reality upon which the metaphorical reading of this is built so you don't, the metaphorical reading is true obviously because Christ is born in Bethlehem he can be born in our hearts it's like with the resurrection as well because Christ is risen from the dead uh, literally we metaphorically die and rise with him now in our baptism and we will literally rise at the last day so I think there is that interplay here I do think there in um I do think that in general with these Christmas hymns that we've seen time and time again there is the sort of uh silence is a theme that tends to come up I'm not I'm not quite sure where that comes from uh Christmas story is not really silent. The angels are singing no, quite, quite loudly. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe I'd have to do some more research on that because yeah. this is the third or fourth one where silence is uh, kind of talked about. But I do have it as a B. Um, in I understand why you'd have a C, but I do think it's a quite a, a good one, uh, especially the 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 last verse when it says, "Oh, come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. That is a wonderful sentiment. And I think that is something that really ought to be emphasized. The word became flesh. Matthew himself, in the first chapter of his gospel, yep. uses this term. And, and if that is meant literally, then it is an excellent example of, of not falling into the trap that some of the other carols yes. fall into, which is the goal is to escape and go and be in heaven yeah it it is a the goal being christ coming and i think i think that um sometimes we review the christmas story but not just i'd say the whole sort of incarnation as a kind of rescue operation to save people who are on an enemy territory and bring them back to their homeland. That's not the whole point. The whole point of it is that this is God's territory that has been unlawfully usurped. And the whole point of that is that the Christmas story restores 
restores the territory back to its rightful, rightful owner, which is Christ. Uh, God gave it to humanity and Christ as human is the one who rules over all of this. So this is the whole point of the story. So it's not a rescue mission in the sense that we're in enemy territory. Christ comes, takes us, and then takes us mm-hmm. back away. And one of the interesting things you see, and you get this in the later exilic writings in Scripture, is that when they talk about the exile, um, and Abraham himself talks in this way too, there are exiles in their own land. Uh, and you know that's what Nehemiah praised. That's the final step of exile is this 400-year period where there are exiles but in their own land. Uh, they have a foreign ruler ruling over them, but they're in the land of promise. And this is what Nehemiah and Nehemiah 9 praise. And I think the escapism basically just takes the exile theme, uh, that we're in enemy territory, but not the second half of that, which is really important to the theology of the post-exilic communities, and which goes into the New Testament, is that we are exiles, but in our own land. And Christ comes to redeem that land, to get rid of the enemy power, and therefore to renew what belonged to him from the beginning. So that's that's mm-hmm. a... Again, these sorts of hymns can fall into that overarching thing. I think Emmanuel, and I do think there is a there is enough in this hymn, a little town of Bethlehem. The very fact that he's talking about Bethlehem, um, which is not just it's not like a an ideal reality; it's a very concrete reality. And the speaking of the second verse, um, really talking about the birth of Christ in those sort of. Uh, talking about the story itself in literal terms, so I think that's important. So yeah. again, I do, I do see, I do see that some of the language is quite um, can lend itself to that sort of escapism. But the idea of the Lord Emmanuel uh, is a mitigating, a mitigating factor mm-hmm. for me. That's why it's B for me. All right, moving on to our B tier then, the ones that we agree on. Yeah, we'll do the ones we agree on. Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot in this one. Um, so. Um, the first one I have is Angels from the Realms of Glory. Yeah. Good one. Uh, and just to say, in B here, we're, we're talking about ones that are above average. Yes. You know? Yes. We like these ones. Yes, these are, these are good ones. Um, uh, this one, I think, talking about Messiah's birth. I really love the first line, the first, the first um, stanza of this. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight. Okay, wings. Oh, yes, they, they, they do have they wings. They do have yeah, wings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's fine. Yes, that's okay. But they do have eyes on those wings, too. Which, <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Ye, ye, ye. Who, ye? Ye. Ye, ye. Ye who sang creation's story. Now proclaim a size, but it's a beautiful picture of the angel singing creation story. You get that in Job, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a biblical portrait, and it's it's been picked up by by poets, um, by Tolkien, Cimmerillion. Don't they, don't the angels sing that? Isn't there a, yep. the, the, there's a it's all a, of creation? Yeah, is beautiful. Picking beautiful up beautiful. a biblical theme. There. It's biblical. It's not. It's not a. It's you're getting that from the Bible itself. It's a beautiful, beautiful portrait, and this it's easy to actually miss that because um, you just sing right over it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's quite a beautiful picture. Uh, come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. Again, the emphasis on Christ being the king. Um, now, the only reason why I, I like the third one, sages leave your contemplations, brighter visions beam afar, seek the great desire of nations. That's a biblical phrase mm-hmm. as well that's used in light of uh, the nations coming to the to God's people to worship the one true king. Um, and of course, the, 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 the three wise men, if, if indeed they were, there were three. Uh, but the, that story certainly is... Um, it is talking about that. That, yes. Yeah. yes. You've seen this natal star, the star at his birth. So it's, it, I think... Now, it could be more comprehensive. It's a rather short one. Yeah, um, I mean, that's why we've got it, I think, in B rather than anything higher. Yeah. 
I think everything in here is good. There's just not, no, not no, quite as much in here as there could be. And once again, this is not a criticism. Not it's criticism. just, you know, like there, there's only, you only have a certain few in the A and B list, or A and S list. So uh, I, I do think it's a rather solid, good one as well. Um, uh, Angels We Have Heard on High is... Uh, it's the next one in yeah. our B tier. Angels We Have Heard on High. So it has that biblical phrase. It's in Latin, of course. Gloria in excelsis Dei. Yeah, I kind of like it being in Latin. And, and adds a sort of gravitas to, exactly. the, to the situation, yeah. which I appreciate. One of the things I really love about the first verse particularly here is that sense that the angels are singing their praises and the mountains in reply. Yes. That whole creation. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the trees of the fields clapping their hands uh, and, the, you know, that, that, uh, that picture. Um, and we'll actually see that a few times in these top level. Oh, it's, uh, they're getting it. They're, they're, getting, getting they're getting to the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The, the magnitude of this. Yeah. One of the beauties of the Christmas story is it's just a regular event. From one perspective, it's just a regular event. An unfortunate situation that happened to lead to all these sort of crazy exigencies, but it's kind of just the birth of a child. And once, but on the other, on the other side of that, you have you have this this recognition of the magnitude of the story with which we are we are dealing here. It's really quite a um, quite a story. And then again, I, I agree with you about the Latin. First of all, it's very easy to understand. And Gloria and Chelsea Day is right for it's it's, it's like glory to God in the highest is all it means and it's very easy to understand but it does give a, a weight to it that and, this and is- it's easy to understand to make a brief comment on tunes because the tune at this point of the song I mean you don't need to know what the Latin means to know that this is exactly what you're doing you're giving exactly. glory to God I mean yes yeah 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 so overall a really good one like I said not as deep as some of the other ones we'll see uh, so it, it, but but I have no criticism of it I, I really don't I really no. I really think it's a good one uh, so so that's our, that's our, our next B one um, Mary Did You Know is another B one Mary Did You Know yeah once again uh, a very sometimes I've heard someone criticize it by rhetorically by saying of course Mary did know the angel told him but I mean the, but the whole point I don't I don't really no that's not a criticism that as a criticism it's the whole point of, this is a this is this is this is the setting of the song it's a rhetorical device it's not yeah. a it's not a theological point no. being made and in fact it's a question Mary could quite easily say to this yes I did know yes and uh, isn't it amazing and let me tell you how let me tell yeah, you yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and, and so so it's a and there's also this this it, it goes beyond the Christmas story. It talks about what is going to happen. Like he'll, he'll open the eyes of the blind. You know, um, he'll, he'll, he'll cleanse the the leper. He'll do all these things are going to happen. And in the end, it it, it it ends with a declaration of his divinity. Is the great I am, of course, the great mm-hmm. line from Exodus three fourteen about mm-hmm. the Lord Himself. So um, it, it's overall. It's logically really, quite a yeah. Quite my a my only issues with it are really sort of some of the poetic things. Some of the some of the particular themes don't seem to follow on from each other in, in quite the way that I'd want, and seem to have gone because they match. So, yeah. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Doesn't okay. seem to me like the obvious starting place, but it does seem to me like the kind of thing that would rhyme with save our sons and daughters. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's obviously something Jesus would do. And walking on water, that okay. Okay, I, I, who knows whoever wrote this, whether they, were there, whether they were thinking of this or not, but the walking on water means being sort of the one who's sovereign over chaos. But I mean, like, that, that, that's, that, 
I doubt they were thinking yeah. that. But, I mean, but, look, it's true, and it's yeah. fine. Yes, yeah. it's a poetic sort of choice that I, I is one of my few criticisms. And, um, and overall, this. this is this is a solid. This is a, quite a solid one. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I do think that this one, again, it's one of those parts where, okay, maybe we can see more. It's not that it's really a criticism. It's not that all of these songs have to say everything. So to say a song is in the B tier is not really criticizing it. It's just saying it's not as rich as some of the other ones. But mm-hmm. not all songs have to be equally rich. So it's not no, really we a need criticism. A, we need a varied diet of rich foods and not rich foods. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I but think all, that, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So but no uh, foods that would poison us. No, certainly not. I it's a it's a little detail, but I, I enjoy the uh, the sort of gloriously Protestant line here, where we say to Mary that your baby boy has come to make you new. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I wonder if Catholics would object to that. Uh, Didn't I don't know. Maybe we should ask one. Yeah, that'd be a fun experiment if they liked this song and the Mariology in this song. It's mm. obviously not about Mary; it's about Christ. Uh, but Mary is the rhetorical device yeah, within yeah. which we we see Christ in the story. But that's a, that's another one, uh, an interesting point. But anyway, maybe we could do that. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to ask a Catholic yeah. whether they would object <laughs> to that line. Hmm. Okay, so our next B one, um, Sussex Carol, one of these older ones. Sussex here. Carol, yeah. Uh, an old traditional English carol, mm. uh, a medieval carol, anonymously written, as many of the songs from that time Beautiful. are. Yeah. It's a once again, this is just it's telling the Christmas story, and and it is beckoning us to be joyful about it. Exactly, and that's a wonderful sentiment. Yeah. It doesn't say much. Mm-mm. But what it does say, it says well, and it exhorts joy, and again, joy for a really good reason. Not just joy because there's this uh, generic sense of peace to mankind Mm -hmm. or uh, goodwill, um, but joy because the Redeemer has come to set us free. Right. And to give us life in the place of our sin. Mm -hmm. Instead of sin and death, he leaves us with life uh, and joy. And that is just an excellent thing to be singing at Christmas. Yes, at yeah. any time of year, but but particularly at Christmas. Absolutely, um, and I and I think that um, different aspects are given as reasons for that joy of setting us free, giving us liberty, as we see in the second uh, stanza there. And um, we we also see that we have light as opposed to darkness. All of these things are very much in tune with the original Christmas message. Again, not saying everything about it, and this is why it's not higher, uh, but also what it does says, it, say, it says quite well, and of course the uh, very... Uh, salutary call to joy which is something that I really appreciate about this one so yeah and okay let's see here do we have, do we have any other ones here or, in B uh, I think we have so for um, I think the, those are all the ones that we'd agree we agreed on in B yes how about while shepherds watch their flocks by night where did you have that one Ah, while well, shepherds watched their flocks. I've got that MB. Yeah, so do I. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's, so this one also is yeah. one. Again, once again, telling the story of Christmas. Um, it's not a. Um, not it's not going to cause us to deeply think about it in a new way, perhaps. Uh, but it says so. It there's a lot of Christmas quotations. It mentions a lot of 
the fact that Christ is David's son, for instance, born in David's line, a savior, Christ the Lord. Again, once again, right from the scriptures, Luke uh, chapter two mm-hmm. there, um, talking about. So it's, it's a, basically, it's a retelling of Luke two. So, I mean, th- this is great. It's, this, it's this, a yeah. good, solid workhorse of a, a Christmas carol. Yes. It, yes. it can carry the weight and, uh, and it tells the story. Uh, and I have no particular criticisms of it. No. And therefore, it's up here amongst the... Yeah. Yep. Amongst the better ones. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. So there are two then. There are two more in the B tier that I have in the B tier, actually, in that David would have in the A tier. So this time, it's Zach. I'm the Grinch in this one. The Grinch, yeah. Yes, yes. So there are two very common ones, which overall I really like. So it's not like I'm, I'm being a total Grinch here and saying these are bad. But um, the first one is Hark the Herald Angel Sing. For me, this is an A tier. This is an A-tier carol. It would be for me. I have one quibble with it. Uh, I love the theology of this. I love the. I love how. I mean, it's, the tune is amazing. First of all, so I mean, yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Um, and the generally the theology of this is really good. Uh, um, talking about Christ being, you know, the the God. Uh, talking about um, glory to the newborn king. I mean, there's a whole lot to like in this. And I think that I have one quibble with it. And David probably doesn't agree with me here, but I, I really don't like in the, um, in the second verse or stanza. It says, Christ by highest heaven adored. Brilliant. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of the virgin's womb. Great so far. The one thing is this word veiled. Veiled in flesh the God had seen. I know it's based on Hebrews 10.20 when it talks about Christ entering the Holy of Holies through his flesh uh, or through the curtain by means of his flesh. That's how I would interpret that. I don't think the curtain through his flesh. It doesn't make sense to, to go through himself. So, But that's where the imagery of veil being his Christ's humanity, his flesh but I think that's not only a wrong interpretation of that passage, I think it's kind of explicitly going against, again, I understand it, but John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. It seems to be that the whole purpose of the word becoming flesh was to not veil the Godhead, but to reveal the Godhead. That 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 would be my, my criticism of it. Yes, and so, I mean, if I thought that the line was saying what you think it's saying mm. I'd agree with you mm. what do you think it's saying but I think that actually this is this is veiled in flesh but the paradox is though veiled in flesh it's the Godhead we see but why is it veiled in flesh at all I mean that Christ coming in the flesh is I mean we're not seeing God as he is in himself hmm But I wouldn't call that a veiling, though. Um, I I would call that a revelation appropriate to the people to whom it's... I mean, like, when I I try to explain the Trinity to my students when I was teaching, uh, who are in 7th, 8th grade, I... I don't say everything I could say, but that's not because I want to veil the truth of that. It's because I want to reveal the truth in ways that they can understand. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually the Godhead C in the second half of this line is taking that weight. Yeah. Is saying, though we're not seeing God as he is in himself, Mm. in Jesus, in God made flesh, what that actually does is make us see the Godhead. If if the word veiled in this instance doesn't mean somehow concealing, but 
but that's what I think it implies. But if it, if it meant like cloaked in flesh or, or, or something where this is the, the mode by which we see God here, uh, that, then I would agree. But I think the, the problem is the word veiled doesn't simply mean portrayed or, or even revealed, which is what I really believe is going on. Uh, what I, what I, revealed in an appropriate way so that, was so that we can understand. But the word veiled implies some sort of concealment, which um, we, I think one of the, the glories of the gospel is that the, I mean, is what John says at the end of that sort of prologue, is that no one has ever seen God, but the one in the bosom of, of the Father has made us known to him. Uh, the, the, the only begotten, monogenes, the one in the, bo- the bosom of the Father has made him known to us, and this was the purpose of it, or as exegetes explained him, has brought him forth. So, look, I mean, look, I understand that we don't see God as he is. I understand that. But I think the purpose of that is not in any sense to veil, uh, but to really to reveal. Uh, that, that, that's my... Again, mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, and I understand that there's a long tradition of interpreting Christ's humanity as some sort of means of concealment uh, that finds expression in, well maybe not in the time Wesley's writing this but definitely later um, the writings of yeah. Soren Kierkegaard for instance who I, who I appreciate in many ways but I don't appreciate that part of what he's saying about God coming incognito yeah. and that kind of sort of thing I agree with you yeah. but I think that Wesley here also agrees with you in this line yeah but I, I uh, it's just the word veiled it's just getting to me it's too much to me it's, again it's not too much in the sense that it's like putting this way down in the in the D tier it's not down with the way in a manger oh no it's no not, not rolling, even roll, it's, it's not rolling beautiful. in the muck down there yeah. and, and even this if I, if I thought this was heretical I, I would I would have it way down even despite all the other good lyrics yeah. uh, I don't think it's red I don't think it's um, I just think it, it can be misleading that's all and, and not just because he's saying it here it's also because I think there is a misleading idea that God and humans are opposites of one another and that therefore God can't really reveal himself to humanity I and mean, it's like the basis of certain theology so I mean I, I, don't, I don't think Wesley is, is con- connecting to those words I think he actually predates them but he might be connecting to a sort of a stream of ideas that kind of became that you know, that sort of and maybe I'm maybe I'm interpreting it in light of later theologies that's possible but that's the only reason why it's B it's only gone down from A to B it's not in my mind, dropping any further than that. It's a great one. And I love the tune. I love the son of righteousness language. I love all the um, the way he uh, he speaks about uh, Christ's incarnation, although it does have the word mild in it, Dave. It does, and I have yes. noted that here. Yes. And I've just, I've written down next to it, stop. <laughs> stop maybe using the word, the word mild. mild. You know what? Maybe the maybe, word mild maybe had it's a changed. Yeah, maybe it's changed yeah. meaning. I, I bet it has, because these are older hymns yeah. and uh, older carols here, so... Um, maybe they weren't we using be, it to describe maybe we should cheddar be a little, yes. that I don't want to buy. Maybe we should be a little milder in our criticism. Maybe, yes. maybe. Okay, um, so there's a second one. That we disagree on? Yeah, we three kings. We uh, three kings. Again, I've got this in A tier. And Zach's got it down in B. Uh, all the way down in B. Yeah, all the way down. I'm yeah. really grinching on this one. <laughs> um, okay, we all know this one. Uh, and... Once again, I have no trouble with it, per se. Uh, we three—it's just telling the story of the kings, uh, the of the the magi, uh, whether they were kings or not. Okay, um, and and I like you know it talks about sort of the significance of um, of the gifts. Uh, I like that. I love that. That's deep 
early church history it's not they're not making this up this no. notion that you know the the frankincense connects with christ's priesthood uh and uh obviously the gold connects with his royalty myrrh is um uh connected with his death uh, so i mean th- these are these are deep sorts of things mm-hmm. that i think the song the carol gets absolutely right. Yeah, and I think it's it's excellent. That in moving from verse four to five, they don't leave it in the in the tomb. They also verse five is a reflection on the resurrection there. Yes, um, a recognition that the birth of Christ and the resurrection, death and resurrection of Christ, are not unlinked. Absolutely, unrelated not. events. There's a reason why the scene from Daniel seven, which is obviously about the ascension, gets repeated in the birth of Christ. There's a reason why you have the son of man there in the middle surrounded by animals with angels proclaiming his glory Mm -hmm. this is directly from daniel 7 in terms of its theology and the fact that you know you see all these beasts coming from the sea and all of a sudden you see one given a son like a son of man it also of course goes back to the creation story very quite clearly there uh but humanity taking up its 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 humans in christ oh christ is the human the adam uh once again receiving power and glory in a kingdom that is connected to the birth story very obviously i mean it's very clear that that's what's happening. So the fact that they connect it with the resurrection is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only quibble with this is uh, saying this quite half tongue in cheek here, but uh, <laughs> it does bother me somehow. This line westward leading still proceeding. I just can't help but think this is some sort of progress idea where people moving toward the west is a movement from from lower primitive forms of thinking to higher, more developed forms of thinking. I, I think that you laugh at me. I, I, I laugh something. at you and I ask you a pointed question. What evidence have you that that is what it's talking about? Oh, come on, David. Westward leading, yep. still proceeding. Yeah, these kings from the east going to Bethlehem. Definitely. Oh, yeah. That's so, it's so metaphorical, you know. <laughs> You're just upset because Tolkien has that same ideology into the west. And you just, you don't, you don't want to touch that. So. Uh, yeah, you've got me. You've got me. <laughs> no, I, I, so I, I don't agree with Zach on that. I think that's uh, reading too much into the line westward leading. Um, I, I suspect that the perfect light there in, uh, in, in this chorus is not the perfect light of the Western world, but is in fact the uh, perfect light of Christ, which well, these is, pro- is who is born. But these progress thinkers are the same thing, you know. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm half joking. I, it's not a real criticism. It's one of those things that I'd like to explore. Perhaps maybe there's something to it, but likely not. <laughs> But it is a B because of that possibility. Yeah, and it's an A because I think that's not a possibility. <laughs> anyway. All right. Now, from now on, it is agreement. Yes, yes. We have A. Okay, so we're on our A list here, and we have uh, we only have one in our. We A-list. do. Uh, we well, have... I have I have three on my A list. Oh yeah, wait. But you, you only have one. Oh wait. Because I'm the generous Christmas. Uh, oh yes, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak for yourself yes, when you say yeah. you've just got one. On we have the, one in uh, our agreed upon. There we go. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, none of this progress thinking here, but uh, <laughs> Coventry Carol is our A, and uh, this is the one we talked about. That uh, it talks about a very neglected aspect of the Christmas story, and this is really an Advent one. We, we we've kind of thought about the distinction, uh, although it happens after the birth of Christ in the story. Liturgically, it happens, and and it's connected with the exile in the time of waiting. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, for most of us, we don't have a distinction between Advent and Christmas mm. carols, though historically that has been a a real distinction in a very good in, distinction, in a very good yeah, distinction yeah, yeah. actually, um, and so. 
I think that, that, that those two type of carols work very well in counterpoint to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, Advent carols filled with longing and sorrow and uh, a crying out to the Lord to come and relieve his people from the exile they find themselves in. Yes. With the counterpoint then of Christmas carols, the good news, the exhortation to joy and merriment because God has answered those prayers right. and longings. Right. Um, and again, in the Christmas story itself, again, we shouldn't be thinking too chronologically here, but more liturgically, because chronologically, obviously, we know that Christ is already born when the, when the events described in the Coventry Carol are happening. And by the way, if you don't know, they're talking about the slaughter of the innocents, uh, as, it was, as it's called. Yeah. Um, uh, how Herod killed the uh, the children, the young ones, the young boys, uh, infant boys of Bethlehem, and basically that uh, there's a deep and rich meaning why this belongs in uh, the time really of Advent longing, uh, because obviously it connects back to an older story. Um, it, it's kind of repeating as the Christmas story often does. Uh, it, 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 it's a repeating as it fulfills Old Testament ones, and of course Herod here is playing the role of Pharaoh. And um, Herod basically is doing what Pharaoh did, which point, which actually marks him out as, although he says he's the king of Israel, he's really the king. He's, he's under the influence of the evil one, uh, obviously. Again, you see this in Revelation 12, which gives us a sort of spiritual and heavenly picture of what's happening at the Christmas story. So um, it's very correct to have this as part of the Christmas story. And of course, in Matthew, uh, Jeremiah 31 is quoted there when it talks about Rachel mourning for her children. And that's an exile theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is an Advent theme. It's not mm-hmm. a Christmas theme. Um, the idea that they're waiting. But the great thing about that is in the rest of Jeremiah 31, it's all about God's how God's going to, despite these horrible, and somehow even through in a mysterious way, all of these horrible, evil things, the gospel is going to come and is portrayed in Jeremiah 31 with the coming of a new covenant in verses mm-hmm. um, beginning in 31 there, 31, 31 and following to 34. The times are, you know, the, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when he's going to make a new covenant with the people, uh, with his people, the people of Israel. And then it describes how the law will be written on their heart and there'll be full forgiveness and no, no longer will a man say to his neighbor, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest because he will forgive their sins and remember their iniquities no more so there's this beautiful sense of yes you're longing but these evil horrible actions are going to be finally the thing that causes god to act in a judgmental and not judgmental in the way we use the term in judgment um and to bring about through that judgment this new world so it's an advent hymn that talks about our longing but also has connected with it this horrible sorrow that somehow the tears of sorrow water the earth for the for new creation. And it's a beautiful idea that I think is in, in this hymn. And it's good for us to remember that Christ has come to set right real evil. Yes. Real dark evil. And, and I think one of the reasons why this part of the Christmas story is not an obvious reason is we have such beautiful and sentimental feelings and often child like feelings because we remember what things were like at Christmas when we were young and we just don't want to really think about infants being murdered at that time but it's an essential part of the Christmas this is why it's in the A-list I mean the song itself is very understated in a sense it's not it's beautiful the tune is incredible it's so appropriate to it I think Um, but it's not just that the reason why in my opinion it's not in the S-list is only because Rightfully so, it only focuses on that one aspect of it. And as we'll see, the, 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 the sort of S-list is, is reserved for things that have a much sort of broader theological mm-hmm. scope. Yeah. 
but it's it's brilliant and it and it gives us a very much needed perspective on Christmas, mm-hmm. which is easy to forget. Yeah. Rachel cries for her slaughtered children, and yes. Jesus will answer. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. And again, that's so beautifully portrayed in Jeremiah thirty-one, where that passage um, first first finds expression. So it's a it's wonderful. It's a wonderful Advent sort of preparation for Christmas. So. All right, so we've come to our S tier. We have four carols in our S tier. The first one is actually another Advent one, uh, probably the most well-known Advent one, which is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, Once again, this notion of longing, this notion of um, Christ being sent to be the, to redeem Israel from exile. This is what the... The first poems ever written about Christmas, even before the story happened, like we're talking about Mary, we're talking about Zechariah, and thinking about the uh, the birth of, of his child and what that means for Christmas and all of that. This is what they focus on. They focus on the redemption of Israel and through Israel, the redemption of the world. And of course, Israel means something different when Christ is at the center of it, but it doesn't mean less than it meant in the Old Testament. It just means more, meaning that uh, the Jews aren't somehow excluded from that now. Now it's Jews and Gentiles together in Christ himself. And this is something that I think is just an amazing aspect of the, uh, the, the, what we call the Christmas story. Now, really, it is an Advent hymn. But since in the minds of people around us, those two things are just totally, of course, they're related anyway. Uh, but but the, the church culture, at least in the Protestant world, will often not distinguish. They ought to, but they often don't. And this is considered a Christmas carol, although technically it's an Advent one. And it's a brilliant one. It's it a is. Brilliant one. Yep. And I think the reason it is bumped into the S tier rather than just the A tier, unlike the... Um previous advent carol uh the commentary carol it's simply that it, it is a bit fuller in yes in what it covers yep um it's a it's a comprehensive sort of um and, and it's just brilliant it talks about jesse stem it talks it uses biblical language key of david it's a re- image used in revelation which is itself based on isaiah um bright and morning star another image from revelation uh which comes from the old testament king of nations bind it's just it's just it's just rich in every way and it comes uh, even the idea of christ being our wisdom which is coming from paul's famous um wisdom of god him uh, or poem that he writes in colossians uh so it is a it is a wonderful thing and uh again connecting christ to the law i just can't say enough about how amazing this one is um and then the notion of Israel being, like we said before, exile isn't simply uh, geographical location in the scriptures. Again, the first picture of exile is Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden. It's being away from God's presence, but not just being away from God's presence. It's the implications of being away from God's presence. Obviously, you have those sort of personal uh, personal uh, need for reconciliation with God, but there's also so much more to it. There's foreign powers ruling over you. There's a longing for a homeland that you might be living in, but is not the homeland, the true, the way it ought to be. Um, so all of these things come together in this one with the rich theology found in the Old Testament fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. So I just have... And, and the thing that you see over and over again in the prophets, that the hope of Israel is that the Lord will visit them in mercy. Yes. It's nothing yes. less, it can be nothing less than that. Yep. Um, these longings will only be fulfilled. Uh, a blessing will only return when yes. the Lord comes to visit them in mercy. Absolutely. And this is why I think, I mean, this, like we said, this is based on, on in the Old Testament, this one. 
it's based on a lot of psalms, of course, and then the rich theology that is explicated in the psalms and other prophets. It's really a call for us as Christians to reclaim the theology of the Psalter, really, because that's what's found here. This is the Psalter's theology kind of um, organized and portrayed as, a, uh, as an advent sort of hymn. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, this, is, this is what Israel longs for. You think of Psalm 80, the, the desire for God to come and revive them so that they won't wander from him anymore. And just, uh, it just especially as, as Israel's history um, continues through the exile into the post-exilic community, this is what they're thinking of. They're thinking of God visiting them in mercy. There was a clear understanding from Malachi, we get this, that God had not come back to them even though the temple is rebuilt they're still being overrun by or ruled by by the persians and then the, and then the greeks and then the the syrians and the egyptians and the romans finally uh, they had a brief bit of independence but it didn't end like the way they wanted it to so at jesus's time this was on their minds the redemption of israel the return from exile in its fullest sense and therefore the redemption and salvation of the nations so um this 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 one gets it it gets it so it's brilliant mm-hmm. All right, the next of our S-tier carols is probably one that most of our listeners haven't heard of. Mm. Uh, it's a very old Christmas carol. Um, not originally written as a Christmas carol per se, but as a, as a poem by a, by a guy called Aurelius Prudentius Clemens, I think, in the 4th century. Mm. Um, a song called Of the Father's Love Begotten. This is this is Nicene Creed put to verse. It's I mean, essentially it, it, Nicene it's, Creed put yeah, to verse, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it's having all that rich theology and then including um, including the just different aspects of the Christmas story, born, being born a virgin. You know that that I mean, like obviously that's part of the creed, but it's not that. It, there is there is a sort of um, a averse to this that the creed wouldn't have but it's uh it's it's just a nicene creed like whom the scriptures of the prophets promised in their faith word now he shines a long expected let creation praise its lord again all of the idea of all of creation coming together and it, some of the some of the um some of the rich theology is is just it drips from this one it's, it really does it seems like every line is packed with yeah packed with good theology with good, true, uh, and glorious things. Um, what we've seen in some of the um, some of the carols is sort of a failure to reckon with the humanity of Jesus. Uh-huh. Here, we've got a real success in grappling with the divinity of Jesus. Right. Um, those other carols that we've been looking at that are much lower down our tier list say that Jesus is not fully human, sort of imply that Jesus is not really fully human, but they don't replace that with any real idea of what it means that he's divine. Right. And this right. here doesn't even go close to saying that Jesus is not really fully human and then also packs in the divinity, the divinity of, of Christ in, in a phenomenally yes. rich way. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. This is Nicene theology. Yep. It's just, it's brilliant. And it's put in such a way that it encompasses but is not limited yeah. to the Christmas story and shows us the powerful significance yeah. of it, um, including the the honor, glory, and dominion and victory which are in him. Uh, it's just it's just great. It's 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 theology it's the theology in verse essentially. It is is good the best theology mm-hmm. in verse. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So if you're, if you're not familiar with Of the Father's Love Begotten, go and look it up. Um, listen to people singing it. Uh, mm. Perhaps you can work this into your diet of Christmas carols uh, somehow. It is uh, an excellent one, an unfamiliar one, and yet one I think that really gets to the heart of the glory and splendor of the Christmas message. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, um, okay, our next one on the S tier is uh, one that you'll likely know is Joy to the World. Uh, again, uh, that this one's very common uh, in the sense that it's uh, sung a lot, but I think th- there are more verses that sometimes are not sung, uh, and they're amazing. And, and it's so easy when something is so well-known just to kind of sing it uh, and not actually stop and think, what are we singing about? And this one, I'm telling you, it, it really it really gets to it. And really, I, I just I mean, you can add whenever you want. The, the idea of heaven and nature singing, earth and heaven coming together to praise the coming of Christ. Yeah. Um, this idea of all of creation, everything bursting forth in praise. Yes, yes. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Brilliant. And then it gets into some of the deeper theology. I love uh, stanza three. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns, thorns infest the ground. Again, once again, the biblical image, thorns and thistles coming from the ground as a result of humanity's sin and the curse that flows from that. Uh, and then the, the second one, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, meaning the comp- comprehensiveness of Christ's uh, salvation and redemption. As far as that curse is found, Into that's every how corner. far. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's a brilliant mm-hmm. uh, sort of... Uh, and then it gets into the Christ's kingship in the next one. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his move. <laughs> um, yeah, half run. It's a half run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, may have been Maybe it may have rhymed yeah, back then, knows? yeah. Pronunciation but has changed a little. It's great, though. Um, it finds the right balance between his mercy and his love and his righteousness and truth. Uh, as those things ought to be properly balanced and understood in light of the other, it it just really it does it does give us a comprehensive picture of it. Again, it doesn't have the exact sort of language you find in Okami Manuel, but then it's a complement to that. It is, you know, it's a you have the beautiful, rich Advent theology in that one, and then Joy to the World gives you the Christmas story and all its joy and its um and its implications for for our lives. So it's a it's it's quite quite um. Quite powerful, I think, a really good one. I, I find myself with some of these really uh, top-tier carols actually struggling to find the words to say, to praise them highly enough. Yeah. Um, there is so much richness in these hmm. that it's really quite hard to express what it is in particular. A comprehensive, all of creation joy because the king has come. Doesn't get better than that. I mean, that is that is the the the, the real heart of Christmas joy. Hmm. It is, and it's and again, once again, built upon the rich theology of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, obviously, the idea of creation rejoicing isn't only in the Psalms; it's also found in Isaiah fifty-five. And but like, think of Psalm ninety-eight: like, let the like, let the rivers uh, in their gladness uh, clap their hands with one accord, and uh, like the, the 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 mountains cry out. And, you know, the, the, the trees of the field are getting in on all this. Why? Because he has come to judge the earth. And judge doesn't mean simply to, to bring his judgment in that negative sense. It also means to make it right. He's coming to make things right. And this is, I mean, like that, that uh, joy to the world gets that. They're bringing the blessing as far as curse is found, uh, putting an end to evil, and then bringing about 
the new world that that comes with the with the king of uh, the king's return. So it's a um, it is a very rich one, and it's like you said, it's quite uh, it kind of stands on its own. It's like yeah, yeah. What can we say? <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of those earlier ones that sort of feed off the vague sentimental glow of Christmas. Yes. It really is yes. the heart of why there is a glow of Christmas in the first place. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, we've come to our final one on the S list here. Um, we're, we're skipping some out. We're only doing 22. I think I had said 23 before, but we're doing 22 here. There are other ones, um, but this is our final one, and it's an S tier. It's O Come All Ye Faithful. Once again, you have Nicene theology in verse. Second verse, God of God, light of light. That comes directly from Mm -hmm. the creed. Um, Again, we're coming to Christ to adore him, to worship him. This is why we're coming to him. Um, And uh, it's uh, word of the Father now in flesh appearing. Appearing, not um, veiling, you know. Let the reader understand. Uh, uh, it's just it's got um, it's got so much and I love the idea of the angels singing together um, he's king of angels rich theology from the book of Hebrews Christ is greater than the angels which means that his covenant is greater than the one mediated through angels the old covenant it's just and his, the age he's bringing fulfills and um, rules over the previous age which had been governed uh, where humanity had been under the angels, so you have that uh, sort of um, that sort of rich theology, and it's just it's brilliant. Yeah. There's a deceptive simplicity to this carol. Mm-hmm. Um, on the surface, it seems very much just like a call to come and worship God. Yeah, come worship Christ, which it is. But actually, the the more you look at each of the lines, it's packed. I mean, even like we said, born the king of angels, that is a rich theological statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Bethlehem, of course, we've mentioned it before. That's not nothing. That's the city of David. You know, God of God, light of light. He abhors not the virgin's womb. That's like, that's incarnational theology. Begotten, not created. That comes directly from the creed. Um, and uh, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. It's a brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a call to worship, but it's so much more than that. It's a, it's a wonderful one. So, yeah. O come, O ye faithful, is the last one on our S list. Great. And that's probably a good place to leave our discussion, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, and uh, may it be a call to everyone who's listening this Christmas to come, all ye faithful. Let us And let us adore him. him. Yep. Let us adore him, Christ the Lord, and to all... Merry Christmas, and let us remember that, and to act accordingly.